Welcome to Star Wars in Poor Taste, an AIPTcomics.com podcast. Welcome everyone to Star Wars in Poor Taste Episode 2, Yamangi Moof Milkers. I'm not going to take credit for that title. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> it was Connor. Um, I am JJ Travers, one of your hosts. I'm joined, as I said, uh, by Connor, one of, one of my co-hosts, and Jim Lehane. Uh, this is the second episode of our Star Wars podcast. Uh, we are three members of Adventures in Poor Taste, or AIPTcomics.com. Uh, it's a comic review site that also features a lot of film, television, gaming, cosplay, wrestling, the works. Um, if you listen to our first episode, you'll know that three of us are massive Star Wars fans that talked about it so much on the site that we decided we should do a podcast. So here we are. Uh, so thank you for joining us for a second episode. Connor, how you doing tonight? I am doing absolutely wonderful. Thank you for the credit for the, uh, the Moof Milkers title. That was me. You're going to make me put that in the actual episode now, aren't you? Yep, I want the credit. Make sure in the episode description you said Connor's idea. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, how are you doing? We talked a little bit before the show started. You uh, are on a diet with your wife. Sounds fun. Oh, yes. Whole 30, slowly dying from no sugar. Um, so I, 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 I'm pulling it together for the, for the show. He's a, a real hero. Appreciate it. Uh, this is my second podcast, two nights in a row that I'm recording, and uh, the other three nights, since it's a wrestling podcast, I have to watch wrestling all night. So I am also pulling it together. I'm exhausted, but I'm excited to talk Star Wars because it's been about three weeks since our last episode. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. Um, Star Wars Resistance, obviously, being the biggest piece. Of Star Wars news to come out since the last episode, so we're going to dig into that tonight. Um, Connor and I were at New York Comic Con uh, the week before last. We had a blast. We saw a Star Wars Hasbro uh, panel where they debuted a bunch of really cool new toys. And Including Connor, Doctor Afra, getting her own toy now. Yes, <laughs> I was oh, going to say Connor lost his mind for that. <laughs> um, there was also a great panel on the new uh, Star Wars one-shots and the age of Star Wars line, which I'm going to let Connor talk about that as well. Um, I'll cover Hasbro. He'll cover that. And then three of us will dig into uh, Resistance and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, I think we should start off with the biggest thing that has happened since we last talked, if you guys want. Or we can dive into New York Comic Con. It's it, you know, and I'll just leave it up to you guys. What do you want to start with tonight? What are you considering I mean, the biggest thing? Is that the uh, that yeah. we're going with resistance, or is this something else? Yeah. Or, or I mean, it's pretty far down our our notes list here, but <laughs> I, I I finally I just watched it before the show because my cable package is awful, and I tried to sign up through Disney now, and I couldn't do it. 
so I just did the hell with it and I um bought the the episodes on Amazon cuz I have Amazon Prime. So it was 2.99 a pop for HD and uh yeah, I just saw them tonight. So it's fresh in my mind, but we can wait if you guys want. We can go through some other stuff. No, let's let's dive into Resistance. I I I still have it pretty fresh in my mind. And uh I was telling Jim I like how Disney now uh made me go get an adult to sign into the cable subscription. When I went on my computer, it was like, please go find an adult to sign in. I was like, what? I, I think I'm an adult. It made me question who I am as a man. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not an adult. So I called my dad and had him sign in for me. Um, but yeah, I caught up on the first three episodes. Well, I'm glad you finally got an adult to help you out with uh, wow. the internet. It's, it's a tricky place, and it's scary, and it's dangerous. And I think the kids should stay off it, including me. <laughs> and mostly everybody should stay off the internet that's just yeah. uh, that's the internet yet here we are on the internet talking about star wars all right guys so there was two episodes um the recruit and what was the other one called here um Find it. So, so you were only able to watch the two episodes because uh, if you go to the Direct TV, or I have Direct TV, so they their option actually allowed me to watch the first three episodes, and so well, I've seen well, this see, it's, weekend's It's confusing. Episode. Oh, because it's confusing. Because technically, the, re- tri- the, the is, triple dark, yeah, is episode three. So I think you saw episode four then. Y- yes. If well, if you count the recruit as episode 1a and 1b like because it's, yeah. it's two episodes kind of uh, taped together um so yeah i've yeah, seen the they first two hours of show basically okay um yeah so i saw the recruit which you know 1a 1b and i saw triple dark um so what'd you guys think uh, i mean just first impressions right off the bat i really enjoyed it um Obviously, I'll I'll dig in and give you you know my full analysis of each episode, but just like first impressions, like how did you guys feel after you watched it? I um, you can go ahead, Jim. All right, I actually really enjoyed it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Uh, the art style again, it took a little bit to get used to. Uh, some things were better in that art style than others. I wasn't a huge fan of the faces um the uh the nikto's face i think he's a nikto uh niku uh his face actually worked really well with the the, um the animation but like poe dameron's face kind of stuck out as didn't work but the the ships were fantastic i loved them i loved the storyline i thought like i said i thought it was funny and i just enjoyed like sitting through it and i didn't expect to feel that way i was kind of um sitting there kind of begrudgingly like yeah i might as well like watch this uh because i watch everything star wars and like by the end of it i'm like all right let's play the next one yeah i I what about you connor i think for me i went in with the the same mentality that jim did what which was like okay it's it's star wars and you know i'm i'm not gonna hate it and I don't know if I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it. It was just very in the middle for me. Um, I agree that I I didn't think I was going to like the animation from what I had seen uh, in the trailers. I thought the animation looked a little, I don't know, a little too anime for me. But uh, actually, I really liked the animation. And especially in the, the flight sequences, the animation looked awesome and the action felt really fast paced. 
Um, but I don't know. I just I felt the characters were kind of cheesy. It was it was very very clearly a kid show. But I mean that's obvious. It's on on Disney XD. Um, so yeah, I I didn't didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I'm gonna keep watching it because it's not like it was bad. But I I it just it didn't really feel like Star Wars to me. I think that was my big problem. Is it it felt like a science fiction story with a few Star Wars characters thrown in. Um, but I think it has room to grow, and, and I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I, I can see how you'd feel that way, because I, f- I feel like it's so far removed right now from the Star Wars universe that we're used to. Like Besides the first like five minutes of the show, we really haven't had anything to do um, with the First Order, the Resistance, the New Republic... You know, at the end of Triple Dark, there's that little clip with the the pirates and Phasma. Um, but besides that, it's just, you know, this little remote corner where his biggest issue is winning a race and getting parts for his ship. Um, so I see why you feel that way, but I think that is just them laying the groundwork here for the characters. And mm-hmm. I definitely feel like we're it's going to amp up. Um, yeah, fuel... F- as far as the animation... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, fuel for uh, fuel for the fire. The next episode gets it's like even a more smidge towards phasma. Uh, that's that's it's just inching its way in that direction. Um, as far as the animation style, I really like it. But to be fair, I'm also a fan of anime. Um, I've been watching it since I was in high school, so I was attracted to that. But I feel like it's very vibrant and colorful, which I liked. Um, I definitely laughed a lot. I thought it wasn't too much humor. It felt like just enough, like the, the fight, the fight scenes in in the bar, um, when, when, um, Kaz lands with Poe and he sees that guy get just tossed over the edge. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, that was good. I thought the ships all look fantastic. I really liked that. Uh, and I guess, uh, Filoni said that it was influenced by anime and by Westerns. And I can definitely feel that, especially with, um, kind of the, it's, it's got that like very like dirty feel to it. Like everything's barely held together, you know, like the ships, the technology, everything's, it's, it's kind of like after a golden age of technology, which is, um, Everything kind of barely works. It's like held together by like you know rubber bands and and bubble gum, and I liked that feel to it. Yeah, and uh, I believe Filoni had also mentioned that it's uh, basically what the X-wing series that everybody has been clamoring like we should make an X-wing series into a cartoon series. I would love that, and this is that's what this is supposed to be is that X-wing series in cartoon form. Uh, one thing that JJ touched on that I noticed, and I. I am not sure if I liked it or if I thought it was weird, um, but it is. It's very bright. Like, did you notice that? Like, the color palette is way brighter than any other Star Wars like medium. Like, it's there's a lot of neon colors. Everything is super colorful. And that, like, the whole time I was like, I I don't know if I love this or think it's like distracting. But like, like the uh, the bright red Tie Fighter was was super. I don't know, like just poppy to me. So I, I'm not sure how I, how I feel about that, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, and then what you said, JJ, about it, it being a Western, I, I totally see that. Like, you know, it's it's this this remote town in the middle of, it's not necessarily a desert, but it's, a, you know, 
a, a deserted land and this this stranger comes to town and he wants to change everything um except instead of the stranger being like this this super badass gunslinger it's actually this kid who kind of has no idea what he's doing so um yeah i, I definitely see the the western influence yeah the i liked Oh, oh go ahead. The uh, mm-hmm. that that red tie fighter. I actually wondered for quite a bit. I had to pause and turn on subtitles when he said his name. I don't know if he says his name in this one or the next episode that uh, they haven't aired yet. But uh, I wondered if that was Cardinal, uh, the guy who's flying that X wing, who's a character in the Phasma novel, who's a big like um, uh, he he's the 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 anti Phasma essentially. He's a uh, first order soldier who dresses entirely in red, as opposed to Phasmo's all in the, the, the chrome colored. And so, but once he says his name, it's not Cardinal. So I, I don't think it's the same character. But I thought it was an interesting take that they used almost like the same design for him. Um, yeah, I, I thought the Tie Fighter looked really cool. I mean, he's an ace pilot goes against poe dameron so watching the best of the best go against each other was pretty cool i'm hoping for more fights like that as we go along like some of the best resistance against the best first first order pilots um i also really liked that there was ithorians there was uh doros there was solistans there was um trodashians there was um the hell are those guys the little um the little bat character from a new hope that's drinking at the bar that um that race was there um the guy that wanted um kaz's trophy so badly he was his his species was a um pod racing pilot and a new and um the Phantom Menace. So I loved how many different recognizable species there was from Star Wars here. Like they did such a great job representing like the galaxy that I'm used to. Yeah, you're thinking a Shadra fan is the the the, the little uh, bat character. Yes. So yeah, no, I love that they they had the uh, ton, tons of different characters and a lot of them calling back to the original trilogy and everything. What else is really cool is it's a Star Wars show that doesn't have anybody swinging a lightsaber around. That's refreshing to me. Um, As much as I love seeing Jedi and Sith duke it out, it's cool to have something else for once. And I don't think... I know Kylo Ren is going to be on at least one episode, but it's nice to have all the action revolving around characters that don't have force powers for once. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see that that other side of the galaxy and... And I, I like the racing angle a lot. Um, I will go on record, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I would say it again. I would prefer it's pod racing. I think it would be cooler Ugh. if it was pod racing. I will die on that hill. But I still think it's a it's a cool, different angle to the Star Wars universe that we haven't seen. Um, so that part was cool to me, and I thought the, the racing scenes were exciting. And, and especially the passes they had to make through through the rings i like those were genuinely like tense moments so i thought the racing scenes were done really well yeah especially like when uh kaz had his final racing scene and uh he ended up crashing into the last ring i thought that i thought that was fantastic the the fireball yeah (laughs) you you don't quite know what's gonna happen and 
Uh, I, th- I thought that that turned out really good. Um, I, I was quite surprised with how how well they did it, that they were able to put it where, no, he's not this ace uh, pilot able to defeat this uh, the girl who clearly is an ace pilot. He just walks in. He's not able to defeat her, but he is able to hold his own enough that other people uh, give him credit for it. Yeah, he's like, he's not a schmuck. But at the same time, he's he's not like this chosen one, you know. He's he's just uh, at the moment he's just a kid, a kid who's a pretty good pilot. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, and I think we're going to get a lot more space battles because they have stated on numerous times. I've heard this at least six times that this uh, this story takes place six months before. Uh, the Force Awakens, and they keep repeating that. And that, there has to be some reason why they would keep repeating that specific number, like that. The just to kind of place it in our minds exactly how close to the Force Awakens that this is occurs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've heard it's going to pass uh, the Force Awakens. Like the show is going to breach that point. So I don't know how important it is if we're going to pass the first film. You know? Yeah, I can imagine that it would be taking place at least concurrently with the movie quite easily. Um, but but one thing about Kaz, um, well, a couple things. First, I I also really liked that crash scene. And did you guys notice the sound effect that? they used when he crashed was from um it's been used in the films before i didn't notice that. no i didn't yeah i didn't i didn't catch that yeah uh, it was used again um in the phantom menace um when one of the pod racers crashed like woo, 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 like that little um noise but anyways something about kaz um and like i get it he's he's young he's inexperienced one thing that kind of swerved me or, or irked me, I guess, with the character is the the first time we're introduced to him when he's um, with the two other X-Wing pilots, he, he's, you know, sacrificing himself and being noble to get the intel. And he seems like, um, you know, this very, like, noble, like, I'll do whatever I can to get the job done. And then he gets on the platform and he's now this just, like, clumsy, like, overexcited kind of doofus so I, I just feel like his character went and changed very quickly on us and i don't know i guess you could argue that it's because he's like feeling the pressure of being in the resistance and having his first big mission from somebody that he looks up to but i just thought that was a little weird how his character was initially presented as something very different than what we're being shown now that the background of his character when he is introduced, it makes me feel like because you're right, it was it was weird. It's like all of a sudden this kid's like clearly fully into the resistance, but then like he Poe brings him in and he's not part of the resistance, and so it's like, what is he? Is he a ace pilot that's part of the resistance, or is he something else? And it makes you it makes you wonder where is they where are they coming from with the, this this character. So the way I I thought it was when when the show starts, he was a pilot with the New Republic who gets recruited into the resistance, right? That's that's my understanding of of it right now, at least. Okay. Yeah, I I noticed that, too. He went from being kind of noble and like this, this like upstanding kid to he got really cocky all of a sudden. Um, And then like. The, uh, I can't remember if it was the second episode or, or part two of the first episode, wh- however you want to break it up, or if it was the third episode 
where then he's going in and he's uh he's like breaking into his mentor's apartment and he's stealing the coaxium. I was like, this feels totally different from the from the kid we were introduced to. Um, so yeah, he is a, a little bit of an in- inconsistent character, but maybe it's just because he he got maybe the cockiness comes from him getting invited onto a mission with Poe Dameron. He all of a sudden thought he was the bee's knees, but. Yeah, he's definitely kind of an inconsistent character. How old are you again? Uh, twenty-five. You're 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 not old enough to be using the term "the bee's knees." <laughs> well, I know it's. I I had another term in mind, but uh, I know we're trying to be a a family friendly, a Disney podcast, if you will. So uh, I had to scramble, and I went with the uh, the words of my forefathers. By a couple generations. <laughs> <laughs> nice recovery there, Connor. <laughs> Thank you, I try. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I'll, I'll let it go for now and just say, like... You know, he's clearly still finding his way. And to be fair, he is in a position of extreme pressure... Um, and he's out on his own, it sounds like, for the first time in a new place that's very dangerous with a lot of expectations, and he's working for his hero. I just I thought the way they handled him, though, with that introduction was weird. But whatever. I also thought the res- uh, – the rep- God, I can't talk tonight. Um, I thought the New Republic uniform that he was wearing was awesome. I really oh, yeah. liked the logo on it. It looked great. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought I thought the new New Republic look looked really rad. So, I mean, I think you guys both said this. It definitely comes off as a, a kid show, but you know what? Like, so did Clone Wars, and so did Rebels, and both those shows turned out pretty fantastic. So, um, I I I just kind of get annoyed when I hear all these people online complaining about it and being so critical and and saying it's a kid show well of course it's the kids a kid show star wars is is for kids um obviously it has adult themes and some of the books are very adult but overall it's it's always been in my mind for kids i got passionate about it as a kid and almost everyone i know that loves star wars got passionate about it as a kid and like you said it's it's disney so I mean, at least give it, like, three or four episodes before you write it off. I mean, so many people crapped all over Rebels so hard, and now it's hard to find a single person that's critical of it. Yeah, the, the way I look at it is, like, I see the films... I don't I don't really see the films as kids' movies, like you said. Like, I think the, the films are very much all ages. Like, you can take your kid to it, but you're going to pick up on things as an adult that your kid might not pick up on. And those are going to be the more adult themes and the more adult ideas. Um, but then you have something like like Rebels or Resistance or the Clone Wars where it's like, yes, this is very clearly the kids aspect. And it's much more towards kids. But that doesn't mean it's not going to have awesome storytelling or good story revelations or more lore added to Star Wars. So I don't think you should just write these off as like, oh, it's kids shows like I did that for a while with Clone Wars, and then when I finally checked it out on Netflix, I was like, all right, like I, I can get into this. Like, Yes, it is very clearly for kids, and it, it's not going to bring the same amount of excitement as the films do, but it's still very enjoyable, and it's still Star Wars. So, of course, I'm going to like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll give anything to Star Wars a chance. And I, I, wish, I wish that people would 
get over this whole like anger at Disney and just just give it a chance because you know what like they have had some serious missteps but that doesn't mean they can't right the ship and so far I've really enjoyed watching this show it's been fun um there's several new characters that seem very interesting and I I don't know so far I, I don't have any major complaints beyond what I talked about with Kaz's character like it's a, it's a little bit of a slow start, sure, but it's two episodes, three, whatever. Like, give it a little time. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, like I said at the beginning, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm very in the middle about it right now. But it's it's like the same thing you told me about uh, Titans. Like, it's the first episode. Like, got to give it some time. Let it breathe. Let it, let it settle its feet. And the best part about TV shows and movies and video games and all these things about Star Wars, if you don't like it, just don't watch it yeah (laughs) it's that simple i mean i i've told you guys many times i don't like the last jedi that much so i just don't watch it that often (laughs) like it's so simple if you don't have to love every piece of star wars material that comes out you can be indifferent towards some of it except except I, i get a little upset when people hate on rogue one and solo those are ones that i don't like people hating on but the rest, like, if, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. Enjoy it. And, and instead, focus on the things you love about Star Wars rather than hearkening on all the hate. Well, I, I think what people don't want to be able to admit and, and acknowledge and face is the fact that when you have a franchise as big as Star Wars, as old as Star Wars, and that puts out movies, TV shows animated and live action books comic books action figures theme parks it's like it's just a game of numbers there's gonna be stuff that they put out that just isn't very good and Mm -hmm. it's gonna happen but that's okay because there's also gonna be a lot of stuff that's really good Uh, and that's just the reality of it but Let's talk more news. So here's something that'll make plenty of people out there uh, pretty angry. (laughs) When I heard the news, I just honestly started openly laughing at my desk when I was reading it. Um, There were so many rumors for so long that Kathleen Kennedy was going to get fired over uh, The Last Jedi and Solo's box office performance. But thankfully she was, right? (laughs) Eating their words. Oh, wait, wait, what? Three-year contract renewal. Let's go. But but she doesn't know what she's doing. She's driving Star Wars down the drain. That's that's what I hear. But 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 she's a lady. Yes, she can't. That was she, the other big complaint. How she can't be in charge of now? Star Wars. So um, so sh- these movies have made billions upon billions of dollars. She clearly doesn't know what she's doing. But yeah, and I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, a lot of people love to point out uh, Solo's underwhelming box office performance. Uh, Solo cost two hundred and seventy-five million dollars to make, and it made three hundred and ninety-two point nine million. So it still made over a hundred million dollars. So, I'm, I'm, and, it, and we talked about this already, <laughs> but it's. Like, Bob Iger himself has admitted it's his fault, Mm -hmm. not Kathleen Kennedy's. And on top of that, 
everyone acknowledges that if it had just come out at Christmas, it probably would have been fine. Yeah, it would have done fantastic. It would, but I mean, yeah. I, it would have been far enough away from the Last Jedi thing that's going on. Because even now, the Last Jedi stuff is kind of dying down. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't heard about it as much, thankfully. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm excited for Kathleen Kennedy to, to to be on board still. I think she's done a great job, and that's coming from someone who didn't like the Last Jedi that much. But I still, I think she's done a tremendous job. Uh, she's three for four in my mind there's been four new star wars yeah she's she's three for four in my mind i think that's that's great numbers right there those those are that's good stuff that's good batting average it's not even her that's making them it's just she's in charge of the entire um juggernaut that is star wars and uh even if the the film doesn't come out 100 percent perfect it's not her fault yeah it's hard to place the blame directly on her whether it's great or if it's bad it's there's so many moving moving parts so um so the other big piece of news that everyone has been talking about is the mandalorian uh john favreau officially announced it on his instagram account let me see if i can pull it up here i'm so excited for this i am all in as soon as i saw the picture posted on his instagram I think I saw it on Twitter too. I was just like, "Yes, this sounds oh, yeah. exactly like what I want." This, oh my god, I am excited. You mean I the, might be the yeah. scroll? Yeah the, yeah, the scroll he posted. I I might be more excited for this than I am for episode nine, and I'm very very excited for episode nine. But the Mandalorian just sounds like exactly what I'm looking for to explore Bold that statement. Oh, it well, it's exploring that 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 period of like, okay. What happened? Like, how did how did we go from from the Rebel Alliance to the New Republic in a twenty year span? Like, and what happened immediately following the downfall of the Empire? Like, what went on? And I know there's been comics and some books that have explored that, but I'm just excited to see it explored not only on the screen but from a completely new perspective, like the the bounty hunter perspective, the outlaw perspective. Oh. I I am so excited. I actually get the feeling so, they're not going to explore that that much. Uh, I think it's going to be more of like areas where the Empire is still trying to maintain its hold, but falling apart and crumbling, and the New Republic hasn't quite got there yet. And so it's it, it, these outlaw. It's the outer rim. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, the Empire really never even had a big presence there when they were at their strongest. It's kind of the like the lawless area of the galaxy, which is so cool. Cause it's just like, it, it's kind of what solo really brushed with that, like lawless gangster territory of the galaxy where the government's really not around. It's just a bunch of like gangs. And, um, and I think we, we got to talk about the directors that they announced for the first few episodes. Because it's not like they're announcing random people. Like you no, have it's such a stack. Dave list. Dave Filoni is doing the first episode. Like how that doesn't make every Star Wars fanboy giddy is crazy to me. Then you have Deborah Chow from Jessica Jones, Rick Fummy. I can't pronounce his last name, but it's the guy who did Dope, and Dope is an awesome movie. You have Bryce Dallas Howard, so Disney's keeping it in the family with Ron Howard's daughter, and then you have Taika Watiti from Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows. Like. They're bringing out the big guns for this. Yeah. This isn't some second-rate side project for Disney. Like they are clearly putting a lot of time and effort into this, and I just, uh, I think it's, I, I'm, 
I'm excited. I'm so excited. The last like two you shaking mentioned, my chair. Um, they're also supposedly gonna have roles in the show, like acting roles. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited for That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for to see what uh, what TT does uh, with this show because I I love Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was fantastic. They're investing. Um, let me see if I can pull up the numbers here. Is but... it a hundred million an episode? No, it's a hundred million it's... for the series, but it's ten episodes. Series. So you're looking yeah. at uh, like ten million an episode, which is, from what I've heard, bigger than Game of Thrones budget. Oh, that's a massive budget for TV. Huge budget. Yes, that is what it is. It's they announced it officially. It's a hundred million. So that is a huge investment from Disney. So you know that they have big plans for this. You know that they want want them to get it right if they're throwing that kind of money at it. I mean, that's just wild. And this is this um, is their. I, I'm getting the feeling this is their tentpole. Uh, project for their their streaming service because oh yeah what really do they have that um that they've announced for the streaming service so far they have yes the rest of the clone wars but that's not going to get in the random joe schmo that oh you don't you don't think a loki tv show is gonna gonna fill the seats Scarlet Witch as well. <laughs> yeah, Scarlet Witch. No, I. Well, there's I totally also agree, an Jim. unnamed Marvel project um, that hasn't been announced yet. That's going to be Fist. a live action series. Yeah. What's that? I, I said I, I jokingly said Iron Fist. I bet it's going to be oh. Iron Fist. They'll revive it for that. But this isn't an Iron Fist podcast. No. Um, so, but before we get too far ahead, when he announced it, um, the. Sc- the script it read after the stories of Django and Boba Fett another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe the Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order we follow the travel uh, travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic like that just draws me in so much yeah. like, I, I love the lone gunfighter like like dirty Harry um, like Stephen King, Dark Tower, like there's just so many great stories out there of, you know, like the lone wolf going his own way, like whether it be a bounty hunter, like the Witcher, there's another good example. Um, or just, you know, some Ronin traveling around and it's freaking Star Wars. Yeah. I'm super excited to, to, to see what, uh, what they do with it. So since this is off in the, the unknown regions or the the outer rim who do we think that we could actually see coming up in this show um so i actually had one that i thought about while we were talking here um i think there could be a decent chance that you see agent terex from the poe dameron comics uh since he he tried to re-salvage the empire and he was a criminal underlord or criminal overlord however you want to say it um Right after the, the end of the the Galactic Civil War, I think there you could totally see him popping up either as a villain or somebody who employs the uh, the titular Mandalorian. So you're looking at something that's 27 years before the Force Awakens. This takes say, seven years after A New Hope, or yeah, so three years after that, Endor. So that that would mean that because because uh, Agent Terex fought in the Battle of Jakku, so. That would that would line up, but that'd be right in the middle of his like rise to prominence in the the crime syndicates, right? Possible. So yeah, that was just one that that popped in my head. 
Um, and then, of course, I, I want to see Dr. Afra pop up in live action, but that's a pipe dream. I wouldn't say that, man. It, I mean, it could happen. She operates in the Outer Rims often. She is uh, an outlaw. She is a scoundrel. So, I mean, I, I could see it happening. I, she's I, like I would be the ecstatic. perfect fit. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, she's like a perfect character to exist in that show and that area of the Star Wars universe. But what I'm really, really hoping is that we see some unknown regions involved in Thrawn. Yeah, like, I want to see Thrawn so bad. That's what, if he's not in. Oh, go ahead. I, that's <clears throat> what I was wondering. Like because you have at the end of Rebels, Ezra and Thrawn shot out to the nowhere regions. And that's supposedly where the show's taking place. I wonder, like, are they going to focus on it? Or is it going to be kind of like a passing through story? Like, this is another story you're going to get, but it just kind of tangentially touches the Mandalorian at one part. And uh, if if the costume that they showed in the concept art is the costume of the Mandalorian himself, if, like, that's the costume, or I should say him or her, because we don't know who the lead is yet then that is going to look so sick. I love the armor. I mean, of course it's iconic with Boba and Django, but the new like brown play on it just looks so great. Was it So I'm I don't think that's concept art. Yeah, I think I, that's what I was about to say. I'm like I don't think that's art. I think that's like a photograph. That's a yeah, that's that's from the production set. Like I'm pretty sure that is that is the the lone gunman he's talking about. Really? Yes. Yeah. Huh, I, I didn't hear anyone confirming that. I, th- so there's two photos that have been put out on um, Favreau's Instagram. No, this was and like StarWars.com that put put this out. It was, the same, hmm. it was the same article that listed the directors. Yeah, and it, and it says like production on the Star Wars live action streaming series okay. has begun. So, yeah, well, I'm... if that's true, then I'm really excited. Um, But you're right. I think, yeah, I... I think it's a an awesome look, um, and it's almost like the the helmet is like kind of the minimalist Mandalorian helmet. Like you know, it's just it's recognizable, but it's not it's not flashy or anything like that. It's just it's just like oh yeah, that's a Mandalorian. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's rad. So um, let's talk about the two images Favreau did post on his Instagram. The first one, I'll admit. I had no clue what it was until I looked into it. Did you guys know? Uh, hold on, I have to pull up John Favreau's Instagram. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're referring to. All right, let me um, post a link for you here. Okay, now I'm seeing him. I'm going to put it in the chat for you. One second. All right, there it is. So this is really interesting because I saw this and I was like, what the heck is that? Like, am I supposed to recognize that? So, it, I mean, I'm going to guess with how crazy people are for Star Wars that somebody knew what this was, but I had to look it up, and it's, it's a, garbage can. a prop. Yeah, so some people said it was a garbage can. Some people said it looks like an ice cream maker. Some people said it looked like an espresso machine. But what it is, it's a prop from the scene where they're evacuating Cloud City and the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, it is the ice cream maker. Yeah, the ice cream guy. Um, so it turns out that when this guy was running out with it, it was a memory core of a computer that contained encrypted information on like Rebel Alliance contacts, and he was going to destroy it so the Empire couldn't get their hands on it. 
So, so it sounds like they're tying in the ice cream maker guy to the Mandalorian show. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> like, how obscure of a oh reference? Oh my god! I did. I I didn't even know that. Like, if you had told me, like, oh yeah, the ice cream maker on Empire Strikes Back, I would have been like, who? That is. That's awesome, though. Like, that just shows how much John Favreau is is how passionate he is for Star Wars and and how much he knows about the universe. I think that's awesome. Well, you know what the gun is from that they showed, right? I I don't. I'm looking at the gun now. I had heard. Jim. I I had. I don't. I I didn't see the picture, but I had heard uh, where it came from. But I I don't recall off the top of my head. Uh, it's it's the holiday special from 1978, yeah. the cartoon one that Boba Fett was holding. I mean, another ridiculously obscure reference, but it looks great. And I mean that to me just shows a love for the the franchise that you're willing to dig that deep into it to find something and make it relevant again. Yeah. I mean that that something like that just gets me so excited. It just says you care. So did you hear about who is rumored to be playing the Mandalorian? Like the main character? No. Uh the, I don't. The, they're saying that it was possibly have you either of you guys watched Game of Thrones? Mhm. Uh, oh yes, so, oh, oh, um, Rob Stark. It, uh, no, it was uh, Pedro Pascal who is Oberyn. Ooh, oh, say really? now. Yeah, I loved him so much in that show. I thought he was fantastic, and he's the the one who is rumored to be playing this character. Oh yeah, he was awesome. That oh, would be really cool. And he's great in Narcos too. I, I realized what Rob Stark was rumored to be playing. He's rumored to be playing the new James Bond. Oh, okay. That, this bad. is not a James Bond podcast. No, we don't talk about him here. Um, yeah. So, or the fact that Idris Elba I'm... should be James Bond. Yeah. Oh, but uh, no, we won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or Henry Cavill, and that's it. That's it on James Bond talk. Oh, speaking of random stars, um, did you guys know that Elijah Wood is going to be in the next episode of? Live action uh, film? Resistance? Oh, no, okay. Of Star Wars Resistance. I, no, I didn't know that. Is he a hobbit? <laughs> no, he is a um, character in the episode Fuel for the Fire. So the one I've already who... seen. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I did not realize he was in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. he must be the the main he has a bad influence on yes Kaz, he, from there's a there's a group of three we haven't seen it don't tell us don't oh, tell there's us. a group of three other pilots and he's the the i'm guessing he's the plays the leader of the three who try to befriend kaz well yeah um two more pieces of news um o- oscar isaac said that um episode nine has a heck of a lot more improv in it than the other ones that we've seen. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. What do you guys think? Oh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Um, but I mean, now that I think about it, like one of my favorite comedic elements in Star Wars is from A New Hope uh, when the stormtroopers open the door to go confront uh, R2D2 and C3PO, and one of the stormtroopers in the back walks into the door like that's that's one of my favorite moments and that's technically 
improv. It's not improv. It that's an error. Because it wasn't <laughs> planned. Um, but I don't know. I it to me it I don't I don't really like it because it, Star Wars has comedic elements, yes, and it is humorous, but it's not a comedy. Well, but so imp- having improv, it just seems like they're trying as hard as they can to make it funny and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if improv implies humor all the time because the Ooh, I know I think about that. the I know line in Empire was improv. Han just uh, mm-hmm. or uh, Harrison Ford just kind of came up with it. It not necessarily humorous, but then again you look at Solo and weren't the first two directors fired because they were allowing the people to go too far off script? Yep, that is true. All right, and the other piece of news, I don't know when this came out. Oh, it was actually today. Huh. I have so much stuff in my notes in front of me that I'm getting it all confused. Uh, Mark Hamill tweeted today, I mentioned keeping my Star Wars opinions to myself and what happens. It triggers an avalanche of questions about the next one. All I can say is yes, I'm in it. Other than that, just consider it episode 9 comment. Um, so he's in it. I mean, everyone assumed he was going to be in it, but it's cool to have him confirm that he is. Well, he was, wasn't Um, he on the cast list? Uh, I'm not sure. There's just been so much stuff that has come out that it kind of got by me. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. I know this is the first time that Mark Hamill's talked about it. But I think it was one of those things, uh, like, when you Google Mark Hamill, the first thing that comes up is a story on IGN saying, like, confirms he will appear in episode episode 9. And I don't, I don't really know if that's news, because it's like, well, yeah, I kind of figured he was going to be, he was going to come back as a Force ghost. Um, but it's cool. I mean, you, you, you have to have a way to tie it back to the original trilogy somehow. Um, and with the passing of Carrie Fisher, God rest her beautiful soul... It you're you're kind of left with with Mark Hamill because you can't have Han Solo come back because Han Solo's dead and he's not a Jedi so he can't come back as a Force ghost and I don't think Billy D Williams and Lando is a big enough draw to really tie it back to the original trilogy so it just makes sense to me that like yeah you're you're gonna have Luke Skywalker come back and probably give Rey some lovely afterlife lessons. You know, bringing that up, I just, like, the other day, I was thinking about what Episode Nine could be, and I was thinking, like, everything that could happen and how Leia would take uh, control of every, of the of the Resistance and turn it back into the Rebellion. And then the, the reminder came crushing down on me that that can't happen. And, like, mm-hmm. all we're left with is the unused footage... Um, possibly somebody dubbing over her lines, but really you don't have much. And so you can't make her the center point that she, she needs to be for the, for episode nine. And it, it, it was one of those moments where I, I just kind of, um, just kind of got sad all over again. Yeah. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe Carrie Russell's character will be the new, the new leader of the resistance. And I'd be okay with that. I'd like Carrie Russell. As long as she doesn't cut her hair. <laughs> Wait, why is that? She cut her hair in Felicity, and everyone got really mad about it. Really, I didn't know. That, I didn't that, know about that. That wasn't that wasn't a one of those this goes away sort of things. It was like somehow huge. <laughs> like, why is this news? I didn't even watch Felicity, and I knew this. 
<laughs> yeah, people God. were really mad about it. For everyone listening, uh, Jim and I are old, and that's why you probably don't get this reference. But moving on. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I brought up Felicity. Of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys say everyone listening. There's somebody on the podcast who doesn't get that reference. I just had to laugh a lot. I was just... I was trying to save you from the embarrassment. But... Uh, it's it's okay. Vill- village idiot. Um, no, you're just not old like we are. <laughs> uh, so there was actually some other pretty big news that we haven't touched on yet that wasn't on the positive side of things. Um, and this was in the world of Star Wars comics and books. Uh, writer Chuck Wendig was fired from Marvel. Um, so this has been a pretty big story. A lot of the, you know... Similar sites to ours have been covering it. There's been a lot of, excuse me, controversy. There's being a lot of people that's saying, you know, Disney's going down the wrong path path with this. It's similar to what they did with James Gunn. Um, so Wendig himself said he got fired because of tweets that he sent out that were too offensive and political. That's what Marvel told him. So, And keep um, in mind, these are tweets that, we really can't read here without um, maxing out our uh, bleeper. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what do you guys think about this? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I'm i a little bummed um, because I was, I was there at New York Comic Con when they announced Shadow of Vader, um, and it's an awesome-sounding series. I haven't read the Chuck Wendig Star Wars novels, but I've heard great things about them. I know uh, Jim probably has a lot to say about the novels because he he's read all of them, and and I've heard a lot of people talk about how good they were. Yeah, since, so I was excited. Since you brought up Shadow of Vader, can you give uh, uh, just a brief plot synopsis of what it's supposed to be? Because I haven't heard about that. Yeah. So so what Shadow of Vader was supposed to be is it was gonna it was gonna take the torch of the Vader comic book series, and it was gonna talk about the legacy that Darth Vader leaves behind. But none of the issues were going to be from the perspective of Darth Vader. It was going to be, I believe it was four or five issues. Um, five. Let me see. Because five, I yeah. had heard, uh, reading through Chuck's uh, comments, he said he wrote the first three, but he had not written the fourth and the fifth yet. Yeah, so... They were... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, each issue followed a different perspective uh, from different eras of the Star Wars universe. So, like, the third issue, for example, was going to be the story of a mortician on the Death Star who slowly starts realizing all of his victims that he's examining were killed by Darth Vader. Um, And then, like, the final issue was going to follow a resistant pilot whose parents were killed by Darth Vader and him dealing with that and and it really fueling him to to sign up for the resistance. So I thought it was going to be... And it still could be a very good series, don't get me wrong, because the first three issues are already completed. But I just, I I would have liked to see the same writer finish them out. But the series itself sounds like a really interesting take on a Darth Vader story. I mean, it's a Darth Vader story that doesn't explicitly have Darth Vader in it. And I think that's very cool. And and from what you're saying, it sounds like it is possible to have other writers take over and not be detrimental to the series since it is different viewpoints. Exactly. It's not one overarching narrative. It's five. It's like an anthology series, you know, that's like the hot word right now, you know, like true detectives and anthology, uh, series it's the same thing with this it was going to be five individual 
standalone stories collected under the same banner. So you could definitely have a new writer take on the fourth and fifth issues, and it won't disrupt some ongoing storyline. Um, but it is sad that, that Wendig doesn't get to see his vision through. I mean, I, I also feel really bad for the artists. Um, there's two really good artists on that book, and the it was announced for January, but Marvel's uh, solicitations for... January were announced and it is no longer on that list. Mm. So I hope they don't cancel it outright because I mean, there's two issues he hasn't written. You could easily find someone to do them. And like those artists, man, like they put so much work into that. Yeah. yeah let Jody Hauser do the last two issues. She do a great job. Yeah. Are they going to just can the whole thing or, or how are they going to handle that? Cause like, as I really don't know. Um, I mean, I love anything Vader, so I hope they let it come back out. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's hard because I've followed the guy on Twitter, and while I don't agree with everything he says, I agree with a lot that he says. But I see Marvel's point of view because there's a way to stand up for your beliefs, and there's a way to, um, like defend people and defend um causes that you believe in and you know some people say you gotta fight nastiness with nastiness but i will say his twitter was incredibly politically charged and very very vulgar at times and if you know you're working for marvel who's owned by disney like and is writing books that children are reading i kind of see their point like you can't behave that way. What I'm curious about, though, is why they didn't talk to him first and give him a warning and give him an opportunity to like tone it down and just say, "Hey, man, this is you know this is the expectations for your behavior online. So you can either get in line with our expectations, or we can part ways instead of just outright firing the guy." Yeah, that's a- well. I was just gonna say my thing is we, and it, this this is Marvel's fault. Marvel needs to come out and, and tell their side of the story. Because right now, all we're getting is what Wendig is saying. And I'm not saying Wendig is a liar. I'm just saying we only have one side of the story right now. So that's why I'm hesitant to immediately say Marvel is in the wrong. Because we don't know if Marvel did say, like, hey, you need to reel it back. They have a history of doing that. They told Dan Slott the same thing. as, Hey, you need to stop going after people in your mentions. So I, I don't know. I think I – think you for the most part jj you took the words right out of my mouth that you know i i agree with him most of the time i'm like yeah you're totally right man but at the same time he was endlessly tweeting about politics i think for every 20 tweets he sent out one of them was about comics or books the rest were about politics and of those 20 or of those 19 that were about politics 15 of them were borderline or completely vulgar and you can't do that when you're working for marvel you can't be talking about certain parts of the anatomy that he talked about and then expect disney to employ you still you just can't do it yeah and like what you were saying uh wendig had written actually he's written the only trilogy of novels in the new canon 
uh, all the all the other novels are like standalones or loosely tied uh, to books, but this is like the aftermath trilogy is the only trilogy currently in the new canon, and that that's by Chuck Wending, and I actually really really enjoyed it. But he is a very divisive writer um, because like the way he wrote, uh, he kind of said it in present tense. So as you're reading it, it's actually happening where most stories are written in past tense. And a lot of people had problems with that. And then he's introducing all these like non-binary characters or gay characters. And basically uh, when people started to complain about it, you know, that realm of the Internet that we don't like to acknowledge exists, uh, started to complain about it and uh, harass him about it. He started to fight back. And from what I gathered, Lucasfilm was entirely behind him fighting back against these people. And that's kind of why I, I, I'm glad that Marvel was the one to can him and not Lucasfilm. Because it, it seemed like one of those, like, Lucasfilm could tell him he can fight back and all of a sudden they can him for fighting back sort of thing. It, it uh, But I, I'm glad that's not what happened. But you're right. Some of those tweets kind of went too far and they were advocating violence against people who disagreed with him and while he may have similar political views as me i can't condone that sort of violence and i i can see exactly why the family family friendly company of disney can't stand behind it either Mm -hmm. and and there's been people saying like oh well so he's not allowed to speak his mind on Twitter? No, he's definitely allowed to speak his mind on Twitter. It's just that Marvel's allowed to fire him for doing so. Yeah, it's a um, you you are free to speak your mind, you're not free from the consequences of speaking your mind. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. It's unfortunate. It is. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't like a lot of what he wrote. Um, but I don't want to see anybody get fired. Um, and working on star Wars and losing that opportunity, that's going to hurt. But even though I align with him politically on a lot of things, I don't agree with his approach. And I can honestly, like I said, I can see why Marvel made that decision because you know, you're representing their company and like, if there's again if there's kids reading those books and they go oh okay let me go check out this writer and he's saying like awful violent vulgar things about people on twitter then like i totally get the mindset of we can't have that yeah it's it's like i said you just can't you can't say the things that he was saying and expect disney to be okay with that you know and and i had i had followed him on twitter um, at New York Comic Con when, when Shadow of Vader got announced. I was like, oh, cool. I want to find out more about this series and, and what it's all about. And Did you I need to have a I, parent's approval to follow him? Um, luckily, I did not, which was good, because I don't think my parents would have approved. They would have been quite upset at me. Um, but, uh, no, I think, I think I unfollowed him the following day, because... And, and like I said, I agree with a lot of his political standpoints. It's just the fact that I'm I'm following you because you're a comic book writer and because you're a writer and you're barely talking about those things. Now it is your platform and you are free to do what you know, free to say whatever you want on your Twitter platform. I just I was like, this is not what I came here for. I'm done following him. Um, and a, like you said, a lot of it was just 
ridiculous, like crazy over the top. And I, it, it's a bad situation because he's a tremendous writer and I was very excited for the series. But like, man, it's just, I mean, I was taught in college, like you, you got to be mindful of what you post online. And I know he's he's an older guy, but it's been that way for 10 years now. You have to know that what you say online can hurt you in your professional career. And unfortunately, he had to learn that lesson in the hardest ways. But it, it, it sucks, but that's just that's just the world we live in now. Well, um, I hope for those artists sake the book doesn't get canceled and they find a new writer as you said connor jody hauser would be great she's kicking ass at like a million books right now uh speaking of jody hauser um do you mind if we do a quick rundown of the age of star wars comics uh yeah you were there bring us in so yeah we'll we'll wrap up with this i'll go as fast as i can so at uh new york comic-con they really dove into what is going to be the age of star wars uh, it's a new comic book initiative where they're going to be telling uh, individual one-shot stories across all three eras of uh, the Star Wars universe. Um, so I think Jim and I were talking about this. It was originally supposed to be 30 issues, but um, they only talked about 24 at New York Comic Con. So you've got The Age of Republic written by Jody Hauser. Uh, Jody Hauser is the same writer who adapted Thrawn into a uh, six-issue miniseries, which, by the way, I finally found the sixth issue at uh, Comic-Con. I was very happy. But anyway, um, she has taken on Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Padme Amidala, Darth Maul, Jango Fett, Count Dooku, and General Grievous. So you're going to get eight issues, each focusing on all eight of those characters. Um, I stopped by her booth and... Oh, go ahead, Jim. uh, Do you know if these stories are tied into one another or are they just kind of completely one-shots that just happen to be within the same time period? So, as far as I know, they're all going to be one-shots that just exist in the same time period. Um, They didn't hint towards any overarching narrative. It sounds like they're each going to be their own self-contained story, which it... It does work, but at the same time, there's some characters that, like, I don't need another one-shot. Um, like, for example, like, Obi-Wan, I think we've gotten a lot of the Obi-Wan adventures we want to see, at least in the Age of the Republic. The Obi-Wan adventure we all want to see is in between A New Hope and The Force Awakens when he goes into exile. Or, sorry, uh, in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's the Obi-Wan adventure we want to see. So hopefully that's what that one shot tells the story of. Yeah, I'm like, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't care what he's doing between uh, uh, Force sorry. Awakens and A New Hope. Yeah. He's just kind of floating he's, off there in the mist. He's being a ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Sitting on but, logs. Um, yeah, just hanging out, waiting for, waiting for something to happen. Huh. Um, but I did talk to Jody at her booth in Artist Alley, and she said... By far and away, General Grievous, the General Grievous story she's writing is one of the weirdest books she's ever written. Um, so I'm really excited for that to see how weird it can get. I, I can um, see that because if you watch the General Grievous like centric episode, Layer of Grievous from the Clone Wars, that they, that, that was getting weird. And I, I can see where uh, if she kind of pulls her narrative from that episode, that, that kind of tone for it, uh, I, I see that actually being really good. And and that was what was cool about 
about this announcement is every writer that I'm going to touch on here, they all talked about how much research they did to get ready for these stories and how they all like pulled in as much Star Wars media as they could to really understand these characters. So I think we're going to get a really good final product. Um, but of these, of these eight, are there any characters you guys wanted to see that aren't here or are there any that you're super excited about? Uh, Snoke is probably what I'm looking forward to the most and I'm trying not to (laughs) like, I I know you need to manage your expectations in star Wars, um, because you never know what type of lore they're going to give you, but I just find the character so fascinating and I get it. Yeah. He's dead. I understand, but I still want to know more about him. Yeah. So in, in that Snoke book is going to come in, uh, the age of resistance era of books. And that is, uh, going to be written by Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor is one of the few writers who goes back and forth between uh, Marvel and DC. He does X-Men Reddit Marvel, but he also does Injustice 2 at DC. Anyway, though, he'll be taking on eight one-shots. They'll be about Finn, Poe Dameron, Rose Tico, which I'm sure people are just going to love. He's doing a story about Rey, one about Captain Phasma, a General Hux story, a Supreme Leader Snoke story, like JJ mentioned, and a Kylo Ren story. Oh my bad! I skipped ahead. You did, you no, did. you're 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 fine. It was a natural segue. We'll go. We'll go back to the age of rebellion because we know that's what the listeners really want to hear. Yeah. So what you're saying about who uh, whom who am I interested in here uh, seeing more stories about? It's like I I, I want to see more about Qui Gon. I think uh, he was kind of given short mm-hmm. shrift uh, in the in the Phantom Menace, and I, I'd like to see more about him. The the person one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, is Darth Maul. And you know who I don't want to see in a one-shot? Darth Maul. Because <laughs> I feel like they they one-shot him to death. They give him like these limited series or one-shots all the freaking time. I would like to see him yeah. more in these uh, expanding roles where he is an integral character. Kind of like he was in, in the Clone Wars. and The way he was in Rebels. He was an integral character to the plot mm-hmm. and he kept coming back. Like the one-shot comics, just they're just they're just more about let's see how cool we can draw a fight scene. Yeah! And that's about it. Yeah, and even even that Colin Bunn miniseries about Darth Maul was it was passable, you know. It was it was all right, but I agree it didn't it didn't get me more excited about Maul. It was just like, yeah, Maul's cool. I get that. Um I personally I agree I'm very excited about Qui-Gon Jinn. Um I think he's a very unexplored character and I'm looking forward to seeing more about him, but uh, also Count Dooku. I think I think more info about Count Dooku is going to be very cool. Um and I'd like to hear more about his backstory because if I'm not mistaken, he is a fallen Jedi. He was a he like Anakin was once a Jedi who turned to the dark side. So I'm very excited to to hear more about yeah. uh, Count Dooku. Yeah, he's one of the twenty that renounced his mm-hmm. uh, his Jedi. Didn't haven't you? You love the Phantom Menace. Come on, or I guess no, yeah, that's that, Attack of the Clones. That's, that's Attack of the Clones, <laughs> sir. Don't besmirch the name of the Phantom Phantom Menace. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then, so, like I said, with the Age of Resistance, you got um, most of the main characters. Uh, I'm excited for all three of these eras, and we'll, we'll talk about Age of Rebellion in a second, but with Age of Resistance, there's just, there's some characters that I don't, I don't think they need a standalone story. Like, Poe Dameron, for example, just wrapped up a 31-issue series. Like, I we've gotten a lot of Poe Dameron. You could explore somebody else, like... Give us a um, um, a, a Holdo 
one shot, you know? Oh, um, a, same a with lay in like, resistance. Yeah, or or a or a it's like same with like the Captain Phasma one shot. It's like Captain Phasma got her her mini series. Let's let's explore a character who who emerged in the Age of Resistance that we don't know much about. Um, but like JJ said, the the Snoke the Snoke issue is the one that immediately caught my eye. I can't wait to see more about Snoke. Are we ready to go to Rebellion? Yep, we'll we'll finish up with Age of Rebellion. So that is going to be written by uh, Marvel mainstay Greg Pak. Uh, Greg Pak is awesome. I got the chance to talk to him a little bit at his booth in Artist Alley. He's a really nice guy. Um, he does uh, totally awesome Hulk and Weapon X. He's a great writer. He is doing one-shots on Princess Leia, Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, Luke Skywalker, Grand Moff Tarkin, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt, and Darth Vader. So pretty much everybody that's had a story written about him beaten to death over the last 40 years of Star Wars stories. Just about. Except for ex- the only one that I think is an exception, uh, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, that's what I was about Jabba to say. Except for Jabba the, Hutt's the-, <laughs> the comics of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> What, were there are there comic oh, uh, yeah. Job of the Hutt comics? Yeah, they, no, but oh, it, yeah. they're terrible. I mean, like <laughs> in in like in canon right now. No, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I I that was my initial reaction too. Was like, oh, cool, more Star Wars comics. But like, what else are you going to tell us about these characters that we don't already know? Um, but he did. Uh, Greg Pak did dive into detail about the Princess Leia book he's doing. And that is going to explain, and it's something we all want to know, we're all excited to hear about, that is going to explain how Princess Leia got the uh, the armor to sneak into Jabba the Hutt's palace in Return of the Jedi. That, um, oh, cool. That was, yeah. that was actually shown in uh, Forces of Destiny. Was it really? Yes, it was. Uh, Maz helped. <laughs> I, I wonder if it'll just kind of be a retelling of that Forces of Destiny episode, because Maz helped her uh, track down the bounty hunter, um, Boosh. Uh, who's the real, the Boosh is the actual, like, character, and then she just... So he, he did mention that it was the Boosh armor. Yeah, well, so that's... So it might. So, uh, well, that's, the the, the the character she kind of pretending to be is Boosh. Yeah. Um, and, and also, apparently, Bosk is gonna be in it, so that's, that's cool. That makes I always excited. enjoy Bosk. Yeah, Bosk is, Bosk is pretty cool. So yeah, so the Age of Rebellion is, you know, it's all characters we know, uh, a fun I'm sure the Job of the Hut story will be super interesting. Um I love Grand Moff talking stories. There was that recent issue of Vader, I think it was Darth Vader number eighteen from the second volume, was about uh Tarkin hunting down Vader, and I thought that was really cool. So I'm excited for more about him. I, but I uh, did enjoy but, that one a lot, actually. Yeah, that one that was a cool story about about how Tarkin almost bested Vader. Was very, 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 very close to besting him. And you could actually say he did. He did beat Vader. So I always thought that 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 issue did a great job showing off just how how badass uh, Tarkin is. Yeah, I hope it takes place after A New Hope. Yeah, that would be sweet. But he's dead. <laughs> he's super dead. Wait a minute, you almost had me for a second. I was like, wait a minute, no, he's I was like, he's Is way he dead. Fall for it? He's way dead. <laughs> All right, almost I think me. that's a good place to wrap it, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, drop us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps us out and tell your friends. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me, uh, Jim and Connor, um, 
I'm JJ at AIPTcomics.com if you guys want to give yours. Uh, sure. Fine. You go first. Um, so mine is C.T. Christensen, spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S-E-N at nevada.unr.edu. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at Jazzinator on Twitter. Uh, I did want to say one thing about uh, that we uh, didn't cover. Uh, the Han Solo novelization, the novelization of the movie. Uh, and bring it to the end of the, the show just in case people don't want to be spoiled by uh, a little spoiler. So I guess you can turn spoiler it off. Spoiler alert! Yeah, you can turn off the episode now is that this will be the last thing. And the the novelization itself actually has an epilogue that takes place after the end of the movie. So the end of the movie, Han and Chewie pull back on the the joystick and they go into hyperspace and then the novelization has a little epilogue that takes place after that. And I thought it was really, really cool. And should, should I go into what the epilogue's about? Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. So like, like I was saying, if you want to, if you want to find out yourself, you can actually just open up the book. You already saw the movie flip to the epilogue and you can get the, from the end of the movie to this point is, uh, it happens and you actually pick back up with Enfys Nest and Emphis Nest is you got that feeling that she was working with uh, the proto rebellion before anybody uh, was around, and Two Tubes, who is part of her gang of Cloud Riders, is actually one of Saw Gerrera's gang members. And you see Emphis Nest meet Saw Gerrera, and Saw Gerrera meets her, and uh, who comes uh, trottling out of Saw Gerrera's ship is Jin. And so, like, we have the introduction of Emphis Nest with Saw Gerrera delivering the coaxium that helps to uh, support this fledgling rebellion. And you kind of get an interesting take from Saw Gerrera where Emphis Nest is like, you could sell this, you can get money, you could, this will help your rebellion. And Saw Gerrera is like, yeah, I have other uses for it. And you remember mm. coaxium being this very highly explosive substance. You can kind of think of where uh, the the terrorists like Saw Gerrera would be using this for. And so I thought that was a, like a really cool uh, thing that I had no idea was in the book. Uh, listening to the audiobook, all of a sudden it's like epilogue. I'm like epilogue, like the movie ended. Like what's what is this? And uh, you kind of get where a little bit of a follow up of Emphis Nest after. Uh, what she was doing all this for? Did the uh, did the reader of the audiobook say it in that awesome Forrest Whitaker like accent? Uh, so the reader of the audiobook was uh, Mark Thompson, and he's actually done, I'd say, most of the Star Wars audiobooks. He is by far their go to person. He doesn't do all of them, but he does a lot of them, and he he did a very good uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker accent. Nice, nice. So I guess that that's all, all right. I got. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good place to end it again. Um, but yep, yeah, you heard our emails. You can find us on Twitter AIPT Comics. Uh, you can find us on Instagram AIPT Comics, and you can find all of us posting Star Wars articles, comic reviews, and more at AIPTComics.com. Uh, so this is Star Wars in poor taste, and thanks for listening. <laughs>